So I had a professor who I love so much, but he shared this story about when he was in secular college, he had a professor that would make fun of his faith in front of the whole class. And the professor would raise intellectual problems, moral problems, evidentiary problems with Christianity. And his response was to sometimes literally get up, leave the class, run across campus back to his dorm room and sit on the floor of his closet with his knees clutched in his hands, rocking back and forth, praying, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Because the doubts that that professor's words would sow into his heart were terrifying to him. I think that's the wrong approach. When we're hungry, our body gives us a signal that we need to be fed. And I view doubt as a hunger signal where it's your soul saying, I need you to feed me better truth. I need you to feed me more understanding. I need you to feed me good good content so I can arrive at a comprehensive image of what this is. Sometimes it's harder for our hearts to have faith if we haven't fed them the full evidence, the good objective facts of the situation, that we're actually designed to work that way. You can't just shut your ears to supposed truth and then come up and, and, and have a strong healthy faith because Jesus's truth is not a, a myth. It's not a made-up story. He's not asking us to blind our eyes and cover our ears and pray for the Holy Spirit to help us. That's not his way forward. He actually tells Doubting Thomas to touch his wounds, put his hands in his side, and no longer doubt but believe. In other words, his response to doubt is to give you good, solid, reliable truth. Truth. There are leaps of faith we take, But faith, while it is not purely rational, is not irrational. Now, one thing we do is we are afraid of our doubts instead of engaging our doubts and letting them dislodge us from our assumptions and take us on a learning journey. We need to have the willingness to embrace that doubt is a part of the process. Unbelief and doubt are not the same thing. Unbelief in the Bible is universally called a sin. It is viewed as disrespect to God. It is viewed as breaking a covenant with a God who has made himself known to us. And it is universally rebuked. Unbelief is sin. Doubt, on the other hand, the scripture's response to those who doubt is mercy. The scripture tells us to be merciful to those who doubt. Doubt, I'm convinced, is your faith crying out for more understanding. The whole Christian life is one of constant conversion. There's the big conversion to Jesus. And then after that, there's the endless process for the rest of my life of being converted to Jesus's way of thinking. Sometimes while Jesus is trying to convert me to his way of thinking, I'm too busy saying, no, 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 I don't want to hear that. That's not the truth. No, no, no. I've gotten to the place where instead of people throwing their best arguments against Christianity out there and I going, I can't hear that, I can't handle that, I'm like, well, let's see what they have to say. And most of the time what I find is Jesus leveled a more harsh argument against hypocrisy or false religion than they're leveling against the faith. Oh, the Bible's full of errors. Yeah, we know that. We're not claiming that the Bible isn't written by humans. We're claiming that there's a Holy Spirit that speaks even though the imperfect humans who wrote it said things from their perspective. Ancient Hebrews, the reason the dates of the kings didn't line up is because ancient Hebrews estimated 
They said, yeah, a generation equals 40 years. That's about right. And they weren't worried about that kind of mathematical precision or contradictions with the apostles, with the life of Jesus. People say, oh, see, see, they caught him in a lie. This person said that event in the, in the crucifixion narrative happened at this hour, in this order. And then Luke said it, it happened in a slightly different order. Listen, any good cop can tell you if there are not minor discrepancies among your eyewitnesses, somebody's gotten together and made up a story and made sure everybody's answers agree. That's the only way you're going to get humans who are in different locations, different vantage points to fully agree on what happened. And you go, well, of course you would say that. You're a committed Christian. Yeah. If I'm going to be the devil's advocate, or I should say Jesus's advocate, then it seems to me, why isn't it okay then for me to say a lot of these new atheists with their anger at God, don't they just have daddy issues projected up onto God and so they're using their smart brains to make him try to look bad to get back of him because they actually do believe in God and they're just mad at him? Not saying that's everyone, but some people. Anyway, so I gave too much content again, but here's my point. Don't fight against doubt by closing your eyes and covering your ears. Fight against doubt by giving your heart better understanding. Doubt is a form of hunger for more truth and more understanding. All truth is God's truth. Just embrace that head on. All truth is God's truth. Wherever you find truth, whether it came from a pagan or from a Christian or from an artist or from a poet or from a scientist or from an, astron an astronomer, astronomist, astron someone who looks at the stars, all truth is God's truth. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of the scientist, the cosmologist telling me the world, the universe is 13.8 billion years old. I go, wow, Jesus has been around a while then in that case. I'm not scared of the geologist saying, well, look, the fossil record reveals humans never lived in the earth at the same time as dinosaurs. I go, okay, because I've allowed those doubts I had about Genesis to lead me to the understanding that Genesis is 100% theologically true poetry. It's not even trying to be science. Okay, I've said enough. Doubt is not your enemy can be the friend of faith if your heart's open to truth.